1: Alright, Andrew, hit us with the spoiler cast theme song for this week. Akubo's on a vacation far away, <laughs> playing his guitar with two strings. <laughs> Beetle
2: was Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> and Ray Fiennes was the Moon King. I just want to spoil this film tonight. Yes. (laughs)
3: That was great. That was amazing. That was fantastic.
1: (laughs) The SpoilerCast podcast, the SpoilerCast theme song, different every single week because we don't want to give anything away. Spoils. All right, no helicopters. Uh, let's let's talk <laughs> about uh, the spoilers. Let's start with War Dogs and just talk about the end. I don't know that there's a okay, lot yeah, else yeah. to just plow through to, it real quick and yeah, then get into them. Because I don't. I mean, bonus. was there anything else really to so, spoil in that? Pretty much what my whole thing
3: was was I just wanted to. I didn't know if it was spoilers or not. Just like the decisions they were making. Like, why did Jonah Hill's character just start being crazy? Like, like out pulling of pulling the gun out of the car and shooting pull, well not no, not that. Like whenever he just started he was questioning the contract at first and then he wants to screw over uh Bradley oh, Cooper's I, character and then he wants to, you know, not pay David for did what it, reasons. Did it
2: seemed like there was just a one eighty in his persona yes. where like
3: all of a sudden, he was helping I'm David crazy out now. and and it it made no sense to me. Like out of nowhere, David didn't do anything to like get any of this treatment. Like he's in Albania, you know, doing all the hard work and only getting thirty percent, while Efren's in Miami doing nothing. Then all of a sudden, Efren's like, mm, "No, I'm just gonna get greedy and try to yeah. take all the money."
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's what we're supposed to see in his character like, is the greed. It came out of nowhere but, though. But to yeah. really to especially when the movie makes such a point to that they know how incredible it is that they only have to pay $100,000 for these people to do all this work yeah. that's and going to make them, them $4 million the fact that, that that's how they got caught I think is the movie's big trump card is like you know
2: I love that I,
3: I like that it was story a story detail story wise yeah. it
1: makes a lot of sense but character wise I think maybe you're onto yeah. something yeah no it just it made no
3: sense because like this whole movie we see their junior high friendship and you buy into the friendship and you see how much Efren helped out David you know to put mm-hmm. him to bring him in and put him in that position He did so much to help him then out of nowhere just wants to cut the legs out from under but I them. do
1: think we I do think for the entire film we are supposed to see him as uh, off balance, you know. Like I, I don't think they ever present him as a sane character. True. I mean, like you mentioned, pulling the gun out of the trunk and you know shooting in the air. They do some things right at the beginning of his arc, so that mm-hmm. we know he, to just
3: see that he's a little unpredictable. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He is. He is a very untrustworthy uh, human being. So I, you know, it is set up. But I, I definitely yeah. felt that as well. What was that last scene? I, see, what, okay, okay, with Cooper, I actually Cooper, liked yeah.
3: it because you know we see we see David get pulled through the dirt by Ephron and all the things going on you see yeah. him get busted and then you even hear it that Efren gets like how much? They no, say, that's something Efren that really made me mad. Efren goes to prison for a long time, and four then years, four four years, and then he was like, and then David's like, I pled guilty, I got seven months, and you're like, okay, you feel a little bit it was better. Four,
1: wasn't it four months of house arrest? Or seven months seven months of, months of house, months of house and arrest. And that's
2: really what made me mad. And that's just and a, then that's a statement on our justice system where <laughs> people can go to years for a couple of yeah. decades for you know smoking a little bit of weed, but these guys illegally sell arms from <laughs> non-sanctioned Forging countries and, and then they get seven months house rest that's just that i was really upset
1: about that. But white, was, white collar crime i yeah. was just
3: hoping that david would get something like he hit you see him go back to his life of being a massage therapist and then i was like all right bradley cooper just threw him some money I was do like, you think he took he, the money he got something oh yeah okay See, oh, i don't
1: yeah. think i don't think that's obvious i think the movie i think what the movie wants to do with that ending by the way Basically, I think you laid it out there. But Bradley Cooper calls him in and is like, here's a portion of what I made on that deal for you. And there's a couple things. Number one, I don't get Bradley Cooper's character motivation. He's never shown that he's like a nice guy in any way. Like, we haven't seen anything from him where it's like, you know, he wants to help people out. When they've talked about how he messed with them Mm -hmm. and gave them a raw deal, his response has been, that's your problem. There's well, a difference between a me problem and a you problem. Yeah, like I haven't seen anything in him that would make him want to do this. So that's my number one issue with this scene. Well,
3: see, I think he. I think you realized that David had nothing to do with trying to screw him over. Like David was trying to be that, as straight up as possible. Right. And I think Efren that's, was I think the that's, one that screwed him. I
1: think that's what the movie wants us to see. Mm-hmm, yeah. Again, because I think the movie wants us to root more for for David. But I but I don't buy that in his character. The the character they've set up for him is a ruthless, make money at all costs. Like, yes, even if he saw that it wasn't David's fault, it seems like that character would still be like, my money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so yeah. so I didn't buy the character uh, development of it. And then the other part was, it wanted to have that open ending. Like, does he take the money or doesn't he, you know? The whole, does the top stop spinning or does it stay spinning, you know? And it's just like, I don't mind when a movie does that, but when it does that with a scene that seems so periphery to the entire movie anyway, I'm just like, I don't know, it just seemed like a really weak ending to me and kind of confusing.
2: Did you guys feel that this was just Wolf of Wall Street 2.0? No. No, not really. Man, I just got so many vibes. That, yeah, there's was of some Wall vibes Street. there for sure. If they would have
3: dove like more into the party and, and the drugs and stuff, then I would have seen it, but like I mean all you see is them like, you know, while they're working, smoking some weed you know, and of, doing a little coke. It's like
1: Wolf of Wall Street is about greed and excess and uh about a culture of greed and excess this movie was about friendship it's i about felt friendship, like it was, it's about you know doing
3: what you think is necessary to right. you know to I achieve
2: got, your goal i got mad greed vibes from this movie
3: though. yeah
1: no 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 there's certainly some greed stuff there for sure i mean that's how they get brought down but anyways uh i just yeah that, that last scene really i didn't quite understand it kubo time yeah let's talk some kubo spoilers yes. all right so man, this is a this is a, like we talked about, a fully realized world and basically we're dealing with a magical world where there are a grandfather who is the moon king. and apparently his goal is to have his family be blind to humanity so that they can exist in a higher realm together without death, without you know, uh, you know the things that come with being human. And one of his daughters, who is the mom in this, uh, ends up you know going to fight. Um, what was the character's name?
3: Hanzo. Hanzo.
1: Hanzo, who's a human, but ends up falling in love with him. Now, this is all story information we get throughout the movie. We don't have this all right up front. Yeah. In fact, the movie just starts with a mom and a baby uh, trying to escape. Um, you know, on water, and we get to see the first you know magic music. You know, parts the waves. They have a you know a shipwreck and she hits her head and so now she can't really re- remember some things and yet she's raising this child in a cave and mm-hmm. he's going into town to tell stories and that's where we see that he has magic powers and mm-hmm. so he's and using people his aren't song. Freaked
2: out by it? No, they're used to it. It's, it's weird cool because it. <laughs> he apparently he's the only one with magic powers.
1: But they live in a world they live in a world where magic is accepted. So, you know, like they go to their gravestones and they accept the magic of the lanterns That's and those things. That's of kind of, of always so, been
3: a trope in like Japanese movies that they kind of just accept some of those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they accept the spiritualization of all that stuff. Um so yeah, so we're looking at you know, him telling the story. We don't I don't think we don't realize at the beginning that he's telling his own story. Yeah. Right. So
3: I kind of figured that like as soon as it got into like the first 20 minutes and we saw like him repeating the same things that was said at the opening, you know, the don't blink and stuff. I was like, okay, so it is going to be kind of tied into his personal story.
1: And, you know, we start to hear things like always wear your father's cloak.
2: Never stay out after dark. Never stay out after dark. He's like a gremlin. (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat after midnight. Can I say this? The scene where we're first introduced to the sisters is one of the coolest scenes oh, yeah, of yeah. any animated film I've ever seen in my entire they,
1: life. They separate where they and separate float and float sh- across the water. The design
3: of the sisters just really got me. Like, that's I my
2: favorite part of the whole it. movie is the sisters.
1: Yes. So that's the first time he stays out after dark. Yeah. And we come to find out that's because that's when he can be seen by his grandfather, the Moon King. Yeah. And so his mom's sisters will come after him um so
3: creepy like, yes like that scene i remember i was like oh man i was like all right we're get, we're going there yeah
1: and so his mom saves the day at that moment and it's such a good scene yeah and it creates some magic see i just love how inventive this movie you know she creates magic with the cloak where he can fly or whatever and yeah. it's like you know something you didn't realize was there and then when he wakes up you know, he's with this monkey. And that's what I was talking about with poor editing. Okay. Like, I think they could
2: have, you know, shown something to where, like, the transformation transformation from the statue of the little monkey to the real life, you know, the life-size monkey. If they would have just shown that instead of just, boom, monkey's here, and yeah, come follow me. I didn't, It took me a while to buy into Charlize Theron's character there, whenever she transformed from mom into monkey.
1: Yeah, that didn't bother me. I mean, I guess I just didn't need that information. Like, I mean, uh, I didn't need to be shown it. I understood it had happened.
2: Well, I'm not saying that, like, I didn't get it. I knew what had happened. I just didn't think that, you know, the transition was
1: as fluid as it could have been. Do you think part of it's because they wanted us to kind of feel what he's feeling, which is just being out of sorts and waking up and and all of a sudden there's, like, a real monkey there and... So it kind of put us in his head a little bit
2: yeah but i don't think that the movie wants you to uh be him i don't think the movie wants you to be kubo i think the movie wants you to follow kubo be so the audience be like the audience yeah written. so instead of like trying to see yourself in his shoes and to experience what he experienced i think they want you to uh view it and i don't think that because there were sometimes times where like this is exactly what Kubo was going through. Now you know. And that just came out of nowhere for me. Like, well, it didn't transition
1: all that well. So now we enter into what I call the Legend of Zelda portion of the movie.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> where where he has to go find the armor. And he has bosses, basically, that he has to battle for each piece of the armor. Yeah. Um, George Decay's and- only line in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh my. Um, so yeah, so he has to go find what is a helmet, a breastplate and a, a sword, sword. Yeah.
3: which I guess that will also go into my cons is yeah. he finds all the armor and doesn't really do much and doesn't seem to have, make much of a difference that he goes on this journey. And then the mm-hmm. helmet turns out to be in his, the village that he goes into. I did
2: like that part where the, the helmet turned the out bell. to be the bell. I like It's just that.
3: like he assembled all the armor and I was like, okay, this is supposed to like amplify his powers or something or just yeah. something Cool was supposed to happen yeah. and just never really did.
1: So, we had a great conversation about that on my way home uh, with my 13 year old. And he started talking about what each of the pieces of armor represented and how Kubo learned that it wasn't about the armor itself, but about his It was, it was about his journey and his story and learning what those things meant. And so, you know, you've got, and just, you know, to give things away. A so, the sword is found, uh, you know, in a skeleton, which is supposed to, this is what my son is saying said, I think that's supposed to represent death and something, you know, you're supposed to fear death. And that's one of the things that the Moon King talks about, you know, that why would you want to live here where people die and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the the eyeballs, you know, represent guilt and being seen. And, and why would you want to live in a place where, you know, people see what you do and, and that kind of stuff. And then the final part piece is actually back in his home. Yeah. Like, and it represents mm-hmm. community and relationship and, and those kind of things. So I was like, wow, that's that's really deep, son. <laughs> it yeah. was really deep. So, and I don't know if that was intended or not, but I love a movie that you can kind of write those stories on top of, and they make sense. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so anyway, so I I did appreciate kind of the the journey of the armor, even though it didn't come into direct play, uh, battle wise. Yeah. Um, although, more although about the is- sword kind of—I mean, the sword did here and there because it was unbreakable.
2: Yeah. So. Did you guys? Okay, this is going to be super nitpicky just for this little part here. Yeah, let's do I it. have a nitpick
1: one too. Go let's ahead. Let's
2: do it. Kubo <laughs> let's pick the, some nits. Kubo and the three strings. There was never a single time that it had two strings. I get that it was his hair and then the hair from his mom and then
3: the sure. hair from his we're dad. we jumping.
1: We're jumping ahead on some story stuff, but yeah. yeah. So. But it was
3: always three strings. I, I was always I was waiting for that, too. I was like, when is he supposed to be down to two strings? One of these strings is supposed to break.
2: Yeah. The <laughs> Whole movie. Honestly, the whole movie. I'm like, when's that string going to break one of those? Strings. Well,
1: I, That's why I, lo- I mean, the most powerful moment of the movie that I didn't see coming was that moment. Really? Oh, was, I knew that. was coming. Oh, yeah. I knew that was
3: coming from the instant he pulled the hair out of his yeah. mom's head. Like The, the second beginning. that I he grew it. Great. it. That's yeah. great. I was like, there's I'm- one
2: string.
1: Yeah, I, that's awesome. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I didn't, and it had a real impact on me. I was like, oh, there are the two strings. No, I knew it immediately. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is, so the Kubo and the two strings makes a lot of sense to me, because in that moment, I was like, oh, those are the two strings. And because the title was two strings, when he reached up and pulled up his own hair, I wasn't ready for it. And that moment hit me as well, where it's like, oh, it's him as well.
2: See, that's why I think it should still be called The Three Strings,
1: because it's his hair. I disagree. I think if it's Kubo in The Three Strings, it gives away the power of that moment.
2: No, because honestly, you look at his shamisen, his guitar thing, Mm -hmm. and it has three strings. So if they would have said uh, uh, Kubo in The Three Strings, I would imagine, oh, it's just a guitar. So when he pulled the hair from his mom, I would have said, oh, that's just like a little piece of himself that he's going to be keeping. That's what I thought, yeah. And then... But since he was Kubo in the two strings, I'm like, oh, his strings are gonna break and he's gonna use that as one of the strings as the replacement. So where's the other string coming from? So if they would have called it three strings, I would not have thought to myself, Oh, he's gonna be using that.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah, that was that was the most powerful part for me was was that back to back punch of, oh, those are the two strings. Oh, there's a third string. I didn't like you know?
2: the resolution in this movie either. Yeah, yeah we'll,
1: it- we'll we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's I want to talk a little bit about a couple of other reveals that I did see coming quite a bit. That it that, again, that doesn't bother me, but the fact that the monkey was his mom and that the beetle was his dad. No, that one I
2: did not see
3: coming. See- Yeah, I didn't see that one come because, you know, it makes sense. That's so interesting. The mom used the last of her magic to, you know, become, Mm -hmm. you know, the monkey. That made sense. And then the beetle, like, I thought they were going to go that route, but the same way I was like, but, like, the beetle literally came out of nowhere. Like, he just happened to take Kubo back to his little bunker, and then that's when they... You know, are introduced. And we well, the little out paper Hanso that, that he See, dreamed. See, that's what I thought was led. his dad. Was really See, his yeah, dad? I thought that was going to be his dad. Oh,
1: that's so funny! As soon as they met that beetle, I knew that was his dad. That's funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is yeah.
2: hilarious because he said uh, that the spirit of Hanso was in the origami.
3: Did and you not?
1: Did you not pick up on it when they were starting to like kind of fall in love, like the monkey and the. No, I, I, I,
3: that's whenever I started picking up on it. Whenever they're flirting, and then they the scene where they're eat, all eating together. That's mm-hmm. whenever I was yeah. like, okay, that's that's
2: the dad. Yeah, I didn't catch that vibe at all. That's beca- awesome. Because
1: yeah, I, I just as an aside, my favorite. You probably heard me. It was the one moment I laughed like out loud, out loud in the entire movie when he when they're f- first find what they think is the unbreakable sword, and she uses it for the first time, and it breaks, and he's like so uh it's just the handle then <laughs> yeah that
2: that was probably one of the funniest lines this is mcconaughey's first animated film it's his first time voice acting really he did a great job he, oh he, he so really good. did like like
3: i said they snuck some mcconaughey isms in there yeah like when he was telling that story and he was like and they're gonna tell their friends and they're gonna and tell their, their friends <laughs> and they're gonna tell their friends and he just kept going i was like okay this is straight mcconaughey he probably yeah. wrote that himself
1: yeah <laughs> uh so he is the beetle who be, who is actually you know his father and then the monkey is actually the mother and so you know did they, they ever become say the who cursed unit. him
3: to become the beetle grandfather it was yeah. the grandfather yeah, who cursed yeah. him okay yeah see I missed that and I was like why is he the way he is but okay I missed that part
1: yeah this movie I mean so let's go ahead and I think we can go towards the end now and kind of talk about what you didn't like about the end but I just found I was having a hard time st- um I thought one of my cons was going to be that I didn't didn't see a lot of thematics in this, but the end tied things up for me in a really, really powerful way because I I felt like I finally realized that this was a movie about the beauty of the pain of being human, like the beauty that comes in, you know, death and, you know, community and that you can blind yourself to those things, but you're missing out on the depth of what it means, you know, to, to, to experience loss and to experience humanity absolutely
3: See, yeah for me that's probably my biggest nitpick though says i know that's what we were supposed to feel and yeah, i yeah, know yeah. that that's the underlying tone of it i think they could have reinforced it a little bit more because like did you guys ever catch yourself thinking like with all the conflict and stuff and like thinking the grandfather's not that bad like if you kind of think about it like what he's wanting and just to you know he's not trying to kill kubo he's not trying sounds good he's not trying to steal his powers like he's not doing any of that he just wants kubo to be with his family which i mean but at the same time i do get that you know that's what the story is about the
1: pain of being a human it's not supposed to be perfect yeah there's an there's an elite elitism to it right like there's this idea that if you you know we don't want to be part of this you know um human thing we're above that you know so there's this putting yourself above kind of thing that that happens there that i think is is the distasteful part of his philosophy um, maybe
2: maybe it was the lack of the development for the moon king yes. character because that could be. he yes. just showed up at i the think end.
3: that's i think that's what was for me they could have developed him a little bit more to reinforce the the underlying theme of this
2: story because and w- and I we was, all knew... i was more against the sisters than the moon king man they were so
1: good they were <laughs> so oh, good man, yeah no Best i can't get movie, over
2: hands down was the sisters
1: uh so we all I, we all knew the dream was the moon king though right Oh That yeah. was leading him into yes. a trap that yeah, was yeah. something yes. we were because okay. whenever
2: he woke up did you see Hanzo was pointing in the opposite direction as they were walking mm-hmm. Yes. yeah yeah Ooh, did not see that one yeah, yeah um whenever he's like uh come on we have to go follow the the setting sun you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Hanzo a little paper is like no
1: that way that way he yeah. just picks up Hanzo it pretty, and puts him in his bag yeah it was pretty subtle but I did catch it you yeah. know it was just there enough that you could you know you could pick up on it um W- which i liked i
3: mean in the the beginning of the movie said so it said like even if you think it's not important it is like pay attention to everything and i really like that the way it like kind of set everything up so i think i need to go back and rewatch it and like see if i notice some of those smaller things
2: so can i talk about my theory on the ending sure sure go ahead so like i said i was not a fan of the ending but then i said i understand why they chose to do it if you, uh, because I think the movie just kind of stops, like it rushes that ending really quick. Which ending are, are, are you talking about? So I'm about? talking about the, very the, the Moon King, the Moon King ending, how it, it just like, oh, I'm an old man now. Uh, oh, I guess everybody loves me. And that it just kind of stops like that. Yeah. The reason why I think the movie just stops like that is because at the beginning of the movie, whenever he's telling his tale, he never finishes his stories. Mm-hmm. So that, that story there just kind of stops immediately. Yeah. And there's a lack of resolution there because in his stories that he tells, there's also a lack of resolution. I thought that's what they were trying to do. I don't know if you guys agree on that, but I think I didn't pick up on that. But I just wasn't a fan of that ending. I just thought it was kind of weird. Like the there was no
3: explanation as to why he just wakes up as an old man again. He has one eye, and it's like is that Kubo's other eye? I think that's that's what we were alluding to. And then you know the village people. And I kind of see like what it was is, you know, Kubo, like you say, can never finish his stories and the village people help finish it by telling, you know, making up things about the old yeah. man to mm-hmm. convince him of who he is. But I thought that was just weird. Yeah. Like they just all and, start lying to him. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I, think there's to,
1: and I think there's something in there that's supposed to be about the power of believing in people and of, you know, conquering your enemies with, um, you know, hope instead of, you know, destruction. Uh, which is probably supposed to be in there at some point, but um, no, I, I agree. That actually was my my one. Could this be a con for me? Was I? Th- and this is different than how you said it, but I think strangely enough, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I actually thought there was too much ending. Like it, it when it, like I felt it should have ended like right after the battle, and with maybe just like a small coda. But all the stuff that happened with the, um, you know, with the old man and with him becoming the old man, and then there was also the grave site visit again and then, Which then there was a about that then there was also a scene with Kubo was it the our final scene was actually with Kubo with his the vision of his parents yeah right yes. so I'm just saying it just kept piling on I mean it wasn't as bad as Lord of the Rings or anything but it just kept piling on one end scene after another end scene yeah. in some ways and I was just like you know pick one do something quickly you know I felt like the that final confrontation was so powerful and so meaningful that I was ready just to kind of you know yeah. Have it, you know, so just of- take a breath and then move to the credits, yeah. you know. But it yeah. but it just kept doing one thing after another. And I think they I think they probably had purpose in each of those little codas, but at the same time, I you know, it it if I had one negative, that was probably it for me. Okay. Um the grave scene in particular, I, I thought that stuff was beautiful. I thought it was moving. Um I didn't need to see him with the physical representation of his parents. Um I was curious
2: as to what Hanzo looked like, so it was nice seeing that. But, uh, yeah, I just, it was weird because you want to know if he's going to be with his parents because I thought that he was going to have some magic that he was going to be able to bring them back to life. I don't know if you guys thought that that was going to be something, but it just, the resolution is he's with the spirit forms of his family. Yeah, it just
1: seemed like, it seemed like it needed to pick one or the other, either be yeah. super strong and like, no, they are all really together yeah. Or resonate in the loss, resonate yeah. that you don't get to see. They them tried again. to pick a yeah. middle ground, and, yeah, and, then, and I didn't like it mm, at all. Yeah. Trying to have it so, both ways, yeah. So that, yeah, that would be my one personal con, probably with the movie. And are the, you, reas- the reason, the reason I won't give it an
2: A plus. <laughs> are you still like beyond loving this movie?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, I cannot wait to see it again. Mm-hmm. I, it's so gorgeous, and like you talked about, you know, seeing some things you didn't see before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to revisit this. I, world. I
3: am too. I think this is going to be one of those ones where I definitely appreciate it more on a rewatch because at first, you know, like like just because of the visuals of it, I was just trying to take it all in, you know, and it's just like there's so much to appreciate. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think this is one of those ones I'll definitely like it a lot more after a rewatch.
1: And and I mean, there's just something about a, a beautifully animated film that. Really gets me. Oh like, yeah, I I love what you can do in animation, and I love it when a director understands how to use animations, uh, animation in a way that you can't do live action. You've got you know the ability to do things you could never do, put cameras in places that it could never be, and I love it when when a director understands that. And I really felt like that during this. This one,
3: like, just the detail with it. Like when you look at like any of the scenes where in the, the water and like a wave will come up mm-hmm. and it will like look like multiple pieces of paper stacked on each other yeah. for the waves. Like that's such a small detail to work on. And they really did it just so well.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Here's a let's I mean, I think we've said pretty much all we want to say, but I did just have this thought um, and maybe this is a con that I hadn't thought of. Uh, and maybe this is some of the story stuff you're talking about too. When she becomes the monkey, why is she, Why does she remember everything at that point? Like, do they talk about that at all? Like, because she went from being kind of amnesia, kind of mm-hmm. you know, brain damaged. I think to... that her personality changed. She was more stubborn and stern. she was well. She was herself. That's the, the the idea I got was that was the real mom, and what we saw was the damaged mom. Yeah, yeah
3: but okay. I think damaged I, mom I, I, I was... can
2: see that. Because Damaged Mom loved to tell stories. She loved to, mm-hmm. you know, care for him in, in, in a but it loving was always, way.
1: But it was always in an off way, too. Like, it was always like you could tell she wasn't all there. I think
3: that's just, like, the only way she could enjoy herself, like, in this in the state that she was in. Like, whenever she had moments of clarity, she didn't want to waste the time to be yeah stubborn yeah. and overprotective. And that's why she was just so happy at certain points telling stories and such. So
1: yeah. I guess I'm wondering why, when she transformed to a monkey, I mean, we can just accept it. That's fine. There's certainly things I guess like that, but
3: just because it was the charm, I guess.
1: Yeah. So it just that that last level of magic transformed her and also allowed her to kind of be her complete self.
2: Yeah, but okay. Here's another thing about storytelling that I was talking about. So she always said, "Always have this charm with you, and always have your father's robes on." Mm-hmm. They never tell you why. Yeah. Why does he need to have those the I, the the robes? I can because it was his father's. Mm-hmm. But what, and there was what,
1: some magic in it too. She made the the robe fly.
2: Yeah. But what was the significance of the monkey?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: See,
3: that's that, what I'm saying. I, I don't think there was. I think it was just. It could have been any charm. Like if it was a wooden, you know, caterpillar, it could have been anything. Yeah, but I just story wise, like why?
1: Sto- yeah, story wise, it was. I think to hide a little bit of the fact that the monkey was the mom like so you know story-wise i think it's to give us but it was the like same a,
2: voice actors i knew it was charlie's throne again so i'm like oh it's the mom yeah so immediately i'm like oh
1: i guess no, mom's a, the monkey gay. now no i think that's a fair point well anything else guys before we finish up the uh, uh, spoiler yeah.
3: cast oh uh, one one question because me and andrew were kind of talked about this yesterday you know whether a movie needs or you want a sequel from it would you want to see more from this oh world? absolutely
1: i'd love to go back to this universe I would. I, I think if handled handled properly, and and like you said, there's still a lot of things we don't know about this yeah. world and why it is the way it is. And I think there's there could be plenty to explore. So I'd like a prequel.
3: That's what I was gonna say. I was like, would I'd you like want a the prequel. sequel or the prequel? I'd route like the prequel to, to this. see the story. I, see, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the story of Hanzo and the mother. And I think that might explain, you know, like I said, where they have these magical powers. Mm-hmm. From I just and want stuff. more of the sisters and more of the sisters.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. What was it he said when she said? Uh, he said four words? Oh, I you, are,
3: you were my quest. Yeah, but what, what did oh, he yeah. I love you.
2: you, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> there were some real lines you, in it. Monkey. Monkey. <laughs> I love you, monkey.
1: I thought he was great. That was so much fun.
2: Yeah. He has another animated movie coming out. Yeah, the he's the sure, same sing. sing. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I've heard about that. He's
2: jumping on the whole animation wagon right now.
1: And I'm glad that... From the animation station.
2: Yeah, I'm glad Hmm. that, you know, there are more companies out there that are doing stuff like this besides Pixar and DreamWorks. Yes. And this is, I think, the first Leica film I've ever seen. Or Leica, however you say it. Leica, I think. So it's the first Leica film I've ever seen. It's an art style I'm really intrigued by now, so I am going to go back. I'm going to watch Coraline. I think you would like Coraline Yeah, start with with
3: Coraline. Yeah. You would love Coraline. Okay.
2: So... And I have seen like, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Fantastic Mr. Fox is obviously phenomenal. So I think I would, would appreciate more of this art style if I were to check it out. So Here's I might the thing.
1: Do that. Stop Motion is the hardest mm-hmm. animated style to do. It, oh yeah, It takes them years yeah. to do stuff. And um, man, it's it, a lot of respect for the stuff that they do. Um I would also recommend Was uh, Kubo one hundred percent
2: stuff. stop motion or was there CGI? I, I don't know. I think it's one hundred percent stop motion.
1: Is it really? That's I phenomenal. I'm pretty
2: sure
3: it's one hundred percent stop phenomenal. motion.
1: That's phenomenal. Now I know they have different ways they do stop motion now that, you know, helps them out a little bit, but mm. but yeah, for the most part it's you know, take a frame. Move move a piece a little bit, take another frame. It's Isn't that crazy? Insane. You think of you think of the typical movie is is what, twenty twenty four frames a second? Is that what movies are these days? Twenty four, and then you can get into like the Hobbit, which was forty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You do the high frame rate stuff. Yeah. Which by the way, that was one of my thoughts during this movie. I would love to have seen it in high frame rate. Really? It would have been so gorgeous. I think the yeah. thing
2: about stop motion and like again, I'm not really up that into it, is because you get to see the, the little twitches and stuff, so you know yeah. that it was hand done. I think,
1: I think you'd still feel that. I I just I'm I am ready for a world where we allow ourselves to adjust to 60 frames a second. In a it movie? Is, oh yeah. Oh no, I think I'm so stick ready with
2: the blur. Like the the motion blur from like swiping, I love mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. it's more well, realistic that way.
1: Like, no, it's because you're used to it. It's actually less realistic. It's just you're more used to it in film. That's because it, your eyes don't see that motion blur. Your eyes see. No, I think eyes see. Oh motion no, 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 no! Your eyes see so much more than mm-hmm. thirty frames per second. Oh, so much more. Maybe your awesome eyes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, think about it this way: if you have the if you have the higher frame rates in this one, like one thing that I appreciate, and you said how much you love the action scenes. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, they are doing action scenes better in this animation than they do in live action. Because, like, now with shaky cam and everything, it's mm-hmm. like you miss a lot of the action. Like, yeah. I loved how in this I could see everything going All on the in the fight. Yeah. Like, every move and it was clear and you weren't, like, struggling to keep up with the action. So it's like, yeah. if you go a higher frame rate, do you appreciate those action scenes a little bit more? I don't know. No.
1: I, I My guess is yes, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um. I wonder if is Cameron still planning on doing the Avatar sequels at sixty frames a second? Yeah, is he? Okay, yeah. I hadn't heard because there was some negative response to the Hobbit stuff. That no,
2: Hobbit was forty five. So imagine yeah. even higher frame rate yeah. for this. But I think Cameron just wants it's he needs something new because he's done three D. Mm-hmm. So sixty frame nobody's done that in a movie yet. Yeah. So what well, was Hardcore Henry? 60 frame because, Oh, I don't
1: think so. I don't think Hardcore Henry was Because it high was frame GoPro, rate. and I GoPros think... are 60 FPS. I just think we mm, have to maybe. get used to it, just like anything. I mean, it's the same with every advancement, right? When sound yeah. came along, people were like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't, we don't need that. I missed the text on screen. When color came along, it was like, you know, we don't need color films. You know, black and white are fine. You know, every advancement, there's, you know, you're just what you're used to. Just an
3: adjustment period so, for it.
1: Yeah. yeah. 3D is the same. And here's the other thing, and the, one of the reasons why is when there's new technology, it is initially used mostly as a gimmick instead of as a, as a storytelling mm-hmm. device. 3D has been the same way. When it first came out, it was just used as a gimmick. And the and, red and blue glasses yeah, that yeah. you got. And, and so, you know, to see it become more of a just an option for storytelling, yeah. that's where technology starts to really win. So it has that transition period of less a gimmick and more for storytelling. But yeah. we'll see. It'll be it'll be it'll be interesting because movie theaters are gonna have to give a different experience than you can get at home if they want people to you know keep coming out yeah so the end good
0: good times good times